to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. tonight. Heavenly Father, bless this message. Be with us. Touch our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Do you know I lied to you on Sunday? I lied to you. Can you believe Pastor P lied to you on Sunday? I said Sunday was going to be the conclusion of our Mission May. How many remembers me saying that? Well, guess what? Surprise, we're coming back for one more. We're coming back for one more. I forgot we had another Wednesday in this month and I want to seize the opportunity as much as possible just to really talk because this month, as we've already said, we want to present to you the missions we support, but more importantly, your place in missions, what you can do. And it's not just by providing financial support. That's one way that we can do. And I believe we should do that because missions is the heart of God. Both locally and globally, we can help with that. But I believe greater than just giving something, God wants us to realize that we need to be the missionaries that he has called us to be. God has called us to be a light in darkness. To be a light in darkness. And I'm going to go back to this passage I've used throughout this month. And we'll use it again because it's a good one from Matthew 5. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 5 and verse 14. And it says this, you are the light of the world. Say this with me, personalize this, would you? I am the light of the world. Come on, say it like we mean it tonight. I am the light of the world. Think about this, without you, without your testimony, without your witness to other people, those who don't know God, without you sharing with them, living the life of God, they are going to be in complete darkness. If we are the light as children of God, that means if we don't shine, there is going to be complete darkness. When we walk into our workplace, we should be a beacon of light that comes in. We should be a breath of fresh air. Something should happen when we step up in the scene. And we must understand that because so many times we say, well, God, why is this not happening? Why is that not happening? God says, you're the light. You make it happen. You shine and you be the example in that. You know, as a pastor, I have so many people come up to me and say to me, Pastor Philip, I want to talk to you. I want to ask you a question. And most of the time I can say to them, I know the question you're going to ask. And they're like, what? You're going to say to me, what is my calling? What is the will of God for my life? It's probably one of the most asked questions that ministers ever get. What does God want me to do? What is my calling? I'm going to show you today 
what your calling is. And it's in two words. Are you ready? First one is the and the second one is way. Your calling is the way. The way. We're going to get to that in a minute. The way. The way. You see, the problem most of us have when we come and we ask a question like that is, I know our hearts are sincere and we want to know the great things that God has in store for us and the reason why we were created and why we were made. But we've got to watch because we can fall victim to this. When we say, what is God's calling for my life? What is God's will for my life? Almost we're saying that we are waiting for that appointed time, for that appointed place and that appointed destination. What is it, God, you've got for me out there? What is it that's maybe around the corner that I need to... Do you notice what we're asking is, God, what do you have for me maybe along the line a little bit? What's ahead of me? And because of our pursuit of what's ahead of us, I truly believe we fail to realize how we get to that place is right where we're at right now. Right where we are. You know, one day I'm going to step into my calling is almost the mentality that people have. And I want you to see something today that God, I believe, has got great things in store for you ahead. But it's not someday. It begins right now. That your calling is what? The way, the place that God has placed you in. I think we miss truly what we are called to do if we're just waiting for that major break without realizing our today is going to make way for our tomorrow. If you want to know what God's got for you, here it is. It begins right now in living in the way that God has called you to live. And notice this. It's the way we need to focus on more than the will and the calling. It's the way we need to focus. What do I mean? The way you live in your life. Well, you know, Pastor Philip, what's God's will for that wife? I believe God's got someone out there for me and and I'm ready for it. Well, you know what? Until that happens, you know what you need to do? You need to live in the way. What? In the way that you'll be attracted or to that person or they'll be attracted to you, that they see God all over you, that they see integrity in your life, that you live in a life of humility, that you live in a life of honor. You see, if we want the will, we've got to be the way. We've got to live in the way God wants us to live each and every day. What is the way you live? What is the way of the relationships that we're building around our lives? What is the way of the consistency and faithfulness we have in our lives? What is the way of our integrity and honor in our lives? What is the way of serving God? Well, maybe one day God says the way starts right now. The way you live your life, the way you conduct your life, the way you are, I truly believe, determines where you're going to go. Let me say that one more time because i got one amen. The way you live today is going to determine where you go. And it's either going to be a good going or it's going to be a bad going because you're going to be the product of where you're at right now. Well, one day we're going to be out there. One day, no, it starts right now. The way you live your life, what you are doing right now, because the way is that which is going to take you to your destined life. The way you go. Well, Pastor Philip, what's my calling? Plain and simply to live for God right now. Well, what about the will of God? The will of God is for you to serve Him with all your heart right now. Well, what about my future? Am I called to go to the mission field? You're called to the biggest mission field right now. Your community, your world, your family around it. God may send you to Africa. He may send you to Moldova. Praise God. But you know what? If you don't get it right on your street, why should He send you to another world? 
See what I'm saying? We've got to realize we can get so caught up in one day, someday, how God's saying it's the way right now, the way we treat our husbands, the way we treat our wives, the way we treat our kids, the way we treat our bosses, the way we treat our employees. Come on, the way, the way, the way, the way we treat the money that God has given to us to be a good steward with. Come on, the way, the way, the way. You know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago in the fact of we're called to be a light. Matthew 5.14, you are the light of the world. We just read that. But then there's also the nature of the light. How are we to be? How are we to live in the way? How are we to be every day? Shout out with me, constant. Come on, help me out in the house. Constant. Because the Bible says in Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. You are a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. I used to realize and read that and think, man, it's kind of strange. You're the light of the world. Then it talks about city and then it goes back to the light. But I really saw this in a new light, no pun intended, um, a few months ago or a few years ago, actually it was, to show in there that the reason he mentions a city there is because of the constantness of a city. A city doesn't just appear and disappear. It's going to be there. And it's the nature of the life that we need to live. So many times people are just like blinking lights. Anyone know a blinking light? Come on, they're flashing on and off in church. Man, they're blinding you. And after church, you, you're stumbling around because you can't see anything around them. There's so pitch black darkness. Come on, they're just blinking. Come on, blinking, blinking. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you a blinking Christian? Come on, are you a blinking Christian? Because the nature of the way that we're supposed to live our lives is God says constant. Notice I didn't say perfect. None of us have it perfect. But you know what happens when we fall? We pick ourselves up and we keep on going. You know what? God's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for real people. He's looking for real people. In fact, if we were perfect, no one else would get saved because no one would feel that they could reach our standard. You know? So just realize that. So God's looking for constantness, for us to be constant wherever, whenever, and however We're called to be constant, not someday, but now. In the way I live my life today, God has called me to be constant. And then in Matthew 5.15, we see the purpose. So what are we the light? What's our nature to be constant? What's our purpose? It goes on to say they don't light a lamp and they put it under a basket, but they put it up on a lampstand. So it's going to shine out and it's going to give light to all are in the house. Your purpose is light for the way. Your purpose is my life every day when I walk. My purpose is to be light to everyone who's around me. Oh, you're having a bad day. Come on, let me just talk to you. Let me just share some things with you. Let me help you. Can I pray with you? Can I be? Notice this in the way right now, not someday, right now in the way I conduct my life every day. Day. So what am I selling? saying? I'll tell you what I'm saying and I'm going to use God to say it. Verse 16 of Matthew 5. Jesus says it this way. Here's the reason that we've got to be the light. We've got to be constant and we've got to have a purpose touching others around us. Because the Bible says this. If we let our light so shine. How? In a constant manner. In everything we do. Not someday but today. If we let our light so shine before men. Others around us, those who are in darkness is what that means. They may see what? Your good works. 
Notice the way. Say with me the way. They'll notice your good works, the way you live your life, the way you talk to other people, the way you handle your affairs. They will see the character of your life. Come on, say with me the way. They will see the way of your life. And guess what they do? They in turn glorify God. What does that mean? They're going to give their lives to Christ. That's what it means. That they are going to come to a saving knowledge. The greatest glory that God could ever get is when a soul comes and gets saved. There's no other glory. The Bible says that the heavens, uh, the angels in heaven rejoice over one. Great glory happens when what? People repent and they get saved. You see, it's your way that will impact people for eternity. Your daily walk with God. And that's why. This month, and we preach this constantly in this house, it's not something we do. Missions is not what we do. Christianity is not what we do. Giving is not what we do. But guess what it is? It's who we are. It's who we are because it becomes our character, the way we are, the way we are. Not just at church, but wherever we find our lives. Guess what? We're going to be the same way. The way, the same way. And I just want to help you out tonight with this. Don't beat yourself up if you're not quite there yet. Don't beat yourself up if you've kind of slipped a few times, you, you said a few wrong words, you, you just got, you know, lost your temper just a little bit. Don't beat yourself up if you've sinned and fallen short because the Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short. But listen to this, I want to encourage you with this. The very fact that you're sad about it shows that you're making progress. Think about that. The very fact that you're sad, that you've disappointed God and you've let him down and you're not where you need to be. Take hope in that. Why? Because it shows there's progress. Because a few months ago you would not have cared. Come on now, help me in the house. A few months ago you wouldn't have cared. Too bad. Who cares? I don't care. But now at least you care. Guess what? It shows that there's a change that's taken place. And may I remind you, he that began a good work, he's going to be faithful if you'll stay in the way. Come on, say with me, the way. If we stay, guess what? God is going to be faithful. We're not called to a fairy tale. You know what a fairy tale is? Someday my prince will come. Come on. And one day in the distance, you know, we're not called to live a fairy tale life. Thank God we've got heaven that's waiting for us one day. But you know what? We're not called to wait to that day. We're called to live today up to that moment. And we're not going to just arrive there. Listen to me. We don't just arrive there. We need to be arriving every day. Come on. Well, when I get here, then no, no, we need to be arriving every day. What does that mean? We need to be the way God wants us to be today as we move and we move and we move. And God brings us into the fullness of what he has in store for every one of us. And if I don't watch, I can miss it. I can miss it. You know, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Let me show you this, 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2, and I apologize for not having the words on the screen tonight, but listen to me, I'm not lying to you, I trust trust me with this. But 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2 says this, this is Paul, he's quoting from Isaiah and he says these words, In an acceptable time I have heard you, 
And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. This was Isaiah quoting this back in the Old Testament as a word from God. And then Paul says this. Here's what Paul concludes. It's not just someday. Paul says what? Behold, now is the acceptable time. This is the time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So the prophets of old were saying, at some time, someday it's going to happen. In the near distant future, it's going to take place. Now Paul is standing up and he's saying, hold on a second. It's not somewhere out there. It's right now. This is your moment. This is the time. And the word time there in Greek is kairos. Say with me, kairos. This is a kairos moment. A kairos time denotes an appointed time or season. It's not a length of time, but it's an appointed time. In other words, the Bible says this is the right time for God's grace to be poured out upon mankind. This is the Kairos time. That's why every day I need to be in the way because this is the moment, the acceptable time that God wants to save people, that people like Jerry and his wife can be driving by and they're drawn in and they give their lives to Christ. Come on, that's a Kairos moment. That's an appointed time destined by God. And we've got to be living in Kairos moments every day. When we bump into people on the street, it's not by chance. It's a Kairos opportunity. Come on. It's an appointed time for us to minister to them. And if we're living in the way, guess what? We're going to give them what they need. We're going to have what they need. We're going to be able to share with them. Because listen, if we're not in the way, we'll get in the way. Come on, think about that. If we're not in the way, we will get in the way. In a bad way that will block them, will turn them off. How many people have you heard? Well, I don't go to church. Why? Because of Christians. A lot of people say that. That's people who are getting in the way, not living the way. Come on now. We're living the way. We're living the way of God that we're turning people on to God. I want to show you this in John 4 verse 35. One day Jesus says to his disciples, we're talking about the opportunities in the way, in our lives, what faces us, the kairos moments every day. Look at this. Jesus says to his disciples in John 4 verse 35, he says, Do not say, there are still four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Let me say that one more time. John 4:35. Jesus says to his disciples, "Do not say, there are still 4 months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. Lift up your eyes and look at the cubicle beside you." Lift up your eyes and see the people who's on the work crew with you. Lift up your eyes and see the people who are in the classroom with you. Lift up your eyes and see the people who are at the mall with you. Do you see what we're saying or the Word of God is saying? Lift up your eyes and look around you. Why? Because the fields are ripe and ready. They are white unto harvest. 
The statement concerning four months was probably, they say, a proverb of that time, a proverb that they would use that would signify that there was no need into rushing or performing a task. You know, now we may just say, relax, chill a bit. They just said, hey, in four months. It was some kind of proverb that they used in the Bible saying that there's plenty of time ahead of us. What a lie. What a lie that the enemy wants to tell us. There's no time, or there is time ahead of us. But guess what? Jesus is saying, no, today. Notice that? Jesus is saying, not tomorrow, today. Don't say there's time. Jesus is saying, look, it's right now, today. Look around you. The harvest is so ready to be brought in. Jesus said, I just need laborers. In some of the other gospels, he said, the fields are white unto harvest, but yet the laborers are few. Unfortunately, I've thought many times that they misquoted that. And sometimes it feels like the laborers are two. You know what I'm saying? Just two. There's few people. You know, not many. And Jesus said, I need laborers. I need people who are going to live the way that they can impact people's lives around them. Why did Jesus say this to his disciples? You've got to realize that Jesus didn't waste his words. There was a reason why he would say this. John 4, 35, Jesus said this to them. But before you would read that he meets a woman of Samaria. Jesus says, I, I feel I've got to go to a place that the Jews wouldn't go through. They would walk all the way around Samaria to go around it. But Jesus said, no, today there's a purpose. We're going to go through this place. And when he gets into the city, he's, he's tired and he gets by a well and Jesus sits down and the Bible says that the disciples go on into the city to go and buy food. And in the process, a Samaritan woman comes out. Jews didn't have anything, as I said, to do with the Samaritans. And it wasn't right for a, a, a rabbi, a, a Jewish teacher or leader like Jesus was really of that day to even talk publicly to a woman. So you see all these things screaming against the situation. But in the midst of it, Jesus speaks to her. And notice this. It's a woman that comes at 12 o'clock noon to draw water from the well. This was a lady who was an outcast to even her own people. They didn't go to the well at noon. That was the hottest time of the day. Everyone else would go early in the morning. But she was a social outcast. She was like a prostitute in that area. They looked at her and said, who wants to be around her? She wasn't welcome. But notice this, Jesus wasn't at the well at six, but he was miraculously there at 12. He was right there at the right time. You may think mistakes are happening all around you. I'm telling you, when you're living in the way, God's going to strategically place you right where you need to be. When you think, man, this person, that person, how, what, when, how, you're right where God wants you to be. And he talks to her and he asks her for a drink. And then he begins to tell her about her life. And trust me, there was plenty to talk about. In it all, though, Jesus never condemns her. He said, go and get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, you're right. What you've had already for and the one you're living with now is not even your husband. Wow. Can you imagine what's going on through her heart? But notice this. In everything Jesus says, he never condemns her. He loves her and brings hope to her. How do we know this? Because she runs off to the city and she screams out in verse 29 of John 4. She screams out to everyone and she says, come see a man. Now those people are probably thinking, yeah, who's the latest man? Who, who's, the, who's this one now? We know about you and the men. And she says, no, 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 this man's different. 
This man told me everything about who I am. Could he be the Christ? Is this the Messiah? Is this the Saviour? Notice all Jesus did was took time to open up his heart, hear what was going on in her life, talk with her, but now she's running, screaming to everyone, I've met someone, my life will never be the same again. So in the process of all of this, his disciples return back, they've got a happy meal for Jesus, they give it to him and Jesus says, sorry, I'm not hungry. And they're thinking to themselves, well, did someone bring him some food while we were gone? And Jesus says, my food is not to eat, but it's to do the will of God. It's to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Notice what Jesus was saying. So easy we can get caught up in the things of this world that will only satisfy us for a moment. But Jesus said our true food and what we should live for is to do the will of God. What is the will of God? Remember we asked the will of God that day was for Jesus to meet a prostitute pretty much at a well and talk to her and share with her. What is the will of God for our lives? To fulfill the way, to live every day, to seize every moment. My food is to do the will of he who sent me and to finish his work. And then he goes on the next verse to say, don't say there's four months because right now is the opportunities. Today is the day. Why would he say that? Because today there are so many people around us hurting. There are so many people who are outcasts. There are so many people who are broken. There's so many people abused. So many people who are overlooked. So many forgotten people around us. In other words, Jesus is calling us to live for him each and every day, right where we are at. And it's not hard to do, but we make it harder than what it is. You see, missions is not what we do, it's who we are. 24-7 at work, home, mall, ballpark, wherever we're at, we must be looking and seizing the opportunities to live the way that God has called us to be. And tonight, just for a few seconds, I want to end this series right where I started it. Remember where we began this series? In the pursuit of one. Remember Jesus left the crowds to go after the one. Remember the demon-possessed maniac that ran at Jesus when he landed on the shore? The one who had spent years separated from his family, but now he's heard the gospel. He's now sitting there healed and he's in his right mind. So what does he do? He asks to travel with Jesus. But look what Jesus says to him in Luke 8, verse 39. Jesus says, return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. You want to know the will you want and know the calling of God? God says, you first, what? Jesus says, start where you're at. Write that down. Start where you're at. Use what you've got and do what you can. Let me say that one more time. That's what Jesus said to him. Jesus said, go home. Start right where you're at. Well, God, I've got to go to the mission field. No, God says, start right where you're at, where I've placed you. And what is the second thing he said to them? Use what you've got. Oh, but Jesus, I haven't got much. We're going to see that in a second. God says, just use it. I can use it. Whatever talents and giftings you have, I can use it. And then what? do whatever you can. You see, when God called Moses, one of the questions he asked Moses in Exodus 4 verse 2 was this, what's in your hand? What is in your hand? 
Moses looked at his hand and his hand was a staff. It was a shepherd's staff. It represented his livelihood. It was what he was good at. It was his income. It was that which helped him provide um, security and lead his flock, which was his wealth. And it was his family's security. It was where he was at. Everyone understand that? God says, what do you have in your hand? And the same question God asks for every one of us. Well, I just wished I could be like Pastor P and I could know the chapters and verses. And I wished I could go here. And listen to me right now. God's called you to go to your home right where you're at. God wants to use what's in your hand. Maybe it's a calculator. God can use that. Come on, maybe it's a piece of chalk because you're a teacher. Maybe it's a hammer. Maybe it's a welder. Whatever it may be, God can use what's in your hand. But what God wants next from Moses is this. Are you willing to lay it down? He said, you've got to cast it down. God wants us to lay down what he's given us. God wants us to give him all our talents and everything that he's blessed us with, that he can use it for his glory. What has been given to you? What is your gifts? What's your money, your temperament, your your experience, your relationships, your mind, your emotions? God can use those things to impact your world. Start right where you're at, using what you've got, doing what? Whatever you can. Can I give you some points of practical Christianity? Here's practical Christianity. Let me give you five practical points of Christianity so you can do whatever you can. You ready? Number one, be friendly and caring. Every one of us can do that. Be friendly and caring to people. That will distinguish us above most people because a lot of people today are too busy and just don't care. What do I do? I go to where God has placed me. He can use me in my workplace and I can do what I can. How? I can be friendly and caring. Number two, I can be a good listener. Notice the ear to mouth ratio, two to one. Do twice as much listening as we do talking. In fact, too many times when we try and help people, we talk more than what we should. Let's listen to them so we can hear their needs. We call, are you ready? Number three, peel the onion. What do you mean peel the onion? I'm going to make my eyes weep and I'm going to cry. You notice an onion is you peel the layers off to get to the heart of what's in there. Use your life, the time to listen to what? Peel back the layers of their life, the hurt, the pain. Take time, in other words, to know them. Earn the right to share with them. If I just meet Dustin on the street and I go up to him and say, buddy, you're going to hell. You know what he's probably going to say to me? You go to hell. Come on. And he's meaning it in a different term. Come on. You know what I'm saying? But you know what? If I see him and he's maybe got a football jersey on. Man, you you like that? What team is that? Oh, that's cool. That's your team you support? Yeah. Do you play? Well, well, how? Cool. Well, where are you from? Did you play when you were at school? Did you play? What am I doing? I'm building rapport, relationship with him. And guess what? Finally, I can say, you know what? Hey, let me ask you something else. Do you know Jesus? What have I done? I've earned the right. Practical Christianity. Doing what you can. Are you ready? Number four. Here's another great thing. Share your testimony. Share your testimony. Your testimony is more powerful than the Word of God. Let me clarify that phrase. I can go to someone misty and say, you know, the Bible says in John 3.16, God so loved the world. She can say, I don't believe that. Well, it's in God's Word. Well, I don't believe God's Word. It's not more powerful in the sense of God's word is all powerful. But notice as a witnessing tool, she can deny the fact that the word of God is real, but she can't deny what's happened in my life. 
She can deny it, but guess what? I'll fight you for it because I know what's taking place. I could turn around and say, yeah, you're right about the word of God. I'm not quite sure, but I've got no reservations about what God has done in my life. Your testimony is one of the most powerful tools that you and I can use. Learn how to share it. Here's how you need to share your testimony. Don't take an hour to tell people about how you were and then just end up with 10 seconds about God changed your life and now you're a new person. Because you're giving more glory to the sin and everything. We're not trying to compare who's the baddest and the most evil person. But what we're trying to show them is we lived a bad life. But guess what? As a result of an encounter, let me tell you what's taken place in my life. God's restored my marriage. God's given me my kids back. Come on. God's given me my future. God's given me my hope. God's given this and this and this. So number four, share your testimony. Number five, are you ready? Love people and don't condemn them. Love them. They may be going to slap you a little bit with their words. They may physically slap you and say, get out of here. But the next time you see them, say, hey, how you doing? You can say it from a distance so they can't slap you again. But you can love from a distance. Just earn that right in their life. Is that cool? We make it so much more complicated than what it is. And then we use that for the reason why we don't do it. We make it complicated and then we use that. that, Well, God, if it wasn't so complicated, God said it's easy. You're the one that's made it complicated. If you just live the way, if you just be the way that I've called you to be, guess what? You're going to be a light in darkness. It's using what God has placed in my hands, being faithful that, to start where I'm at, using what I've got, doing what I can. How many of us are capable to start where we're at, to use what we have, And to do what we can. Every one of us are capable of doing that. You see, God's not asking us to do anything more than we're able to do. But it begins to do that today. If you and I would truly live in the way, I'm telling you right now, just with the few people who are here tonight, there would not be a building big enough in Baton Rouge to house, to see all the people who would want to come and find Christ if we are truly living the way God called us to live. Come on, church multiplication is so simple. Each one reach one and the church doubles in size. I mean, the multiplication of that is phenomenal. Why are we not seeing that take place? Because we're not living the way. We're not living the way. I want to show you something. Stand up, Misty. I want to show you something. And this is by no means to bring any glory to me whatsoever because I hope you know my heart by now. That's not how I am. One day I happened to be performing a wedding ceremony and we had a rehearsal dinner. Kelly and I sat with Misty and her husband, never met them before, sat with them at the table. We weren't assigned places, we just sat there at the table. We just got talking. I began to peel back the onion, I began to ask questions, began to see what was going on. They were just newly in church, there were some struggles, some things that was going on. Misty voiced the thought that, or the, the fact that she would love to go to a conference that they were having at the church, that they were attending that time, but she didn't have the money to do it. I looked at her and said, I tell you what, if I pay for you to go, Would you go to that conference? She said, you would do that. No, no. I said, yeah, I'll do that. The next day at the wedding, I handed her and her husband the cash that they needed, and I gave them some extra. I said, go out and have a meal and enjoy yourselves. I paid for them to go, okay? I didn't say, come to our church. Don't do this or anything, because they were already saved, and God was working in their lives. But you know what? I used what I had to impact their life. A few months later, they came through this door, As a result of coming into this house, God absolutely changed it. But I want you to see something. As a result of me doing what I could, what I had in my hand. Come on, I didn't preach to them. 
I didn't, all I did was, you know what, there was a need. I can help meet that need. I can, I can touch people. I can do whatever's in my hand I can use. As a result of that, Misty brought her mother-in-law and father-in-law into this church. Her sister-in-law, who brought her then boyfriend, who I knew from years ago, working at Swaggett's when I worked over there. He used to work yard maintenance there, and he remembered me being nice to him back then. So think about that. I could have been rude to him and could have turned him off. He came to the church. They all rededicated or really made a fresh commitment to God. Keith, they've got married. Their daughter's now in church. Now, as a result of that, Lisa brought Melinda, and Melinda brought Ronnie, and they've brought their daughter, and they've brought families, and they've brought people. What I'm saying is the impact from just touching a life with what I have. See what I'm saying? Come on, give Misty a shout in the house. Come on. But what I'm trying to say is this. It's so easy. I'm sitting on the couch with Kristen and I begin to peel back the onion and say, what do you do? There's a ministry of calling. Guess what? Here she is in the church. God set it up with other people who were living the same way. And there was a lady who wasn't even coming to our church anymore. Knew Kristen was looking for a church and said, I used to go to this really great church. You need to go there. I mean, wow. Not even coming to our church, telling other people. Then Ricky, he's the best plumber in the world. He went going and Mary had a problem and she said, hey, here's a card for our church to come along. Living in the way, just using what's in our hands. They come to the church as a result of them coming. They bring Seth and they bring Chelsea and they bring April and they bring Chad and Cora. They bring Ricky. They bring so many Maggie's coming, just the, the limit. We've got Bucky and Lisa. We've got tons of people that are all coming. As a result of what? Just using what is in your hand. Sitting on a couch with someone, just having a conversation. Listen, I'm telling you right now, missions is not what we do. It's what we are. Come on, we've got to touch one. We've got to touch one. Because you know what? That means Pastor P's brought more than half the people who are in this church tonight. So where's your half? Oh, well, you're the pastor. Hey, listen, I'm just living the way. Come on, we've got to live the way. Come on, if you're ready to live the way, would you stand to your feet with me tonight? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.